Mintero Messages has been a podcast on our hearts and minds for a long time. When I started doing Mintero Meaningful Mondays on my Instagram, it was meant to inspire and create a community for people to know they're not alone. And now we get to do that on this podcast, which we're so excited to do. With the recent events that have happened in our family, our first episode is in honor of our brother, Dave Stokoe. The following is a statement that we released to the media immediately after Dave's death. Our hearts are broken over the loss of Dave. This situation is tragic beyond words, but we are remembering Dave the way he deserves to be remembered, as a hero and a champion. We know we will see him again someday and that families are forever. We're choosing to focus on the love we feel from everyone and the love we feel for Dave rather than the resentment surrounding the circumstances of his death. He's cheering for us, watching over us, and wants us to love life and love each other. Thanks for listening to our first ever episode of Mint Arrow Messages. Hi guys, welcome to hey guys. today's Mint Arrow Messages. I'm here with Neil, hello, my husband, and um, we are excited to finally jump back into podcasting and get this rolling. Now, today's episode is not what we anticipated to kick off the podcast with, but because of all of the recent chain of events in our lives, we just really felt like this is what we needed to start off with. So um, Neil and I both felt really strongly about that. And this is the podcast itself is something that we've felt really strongly that we needed to do for months and months. And so it just feels like this recent event and all the things that went into it and, and the good things that have come from it ironically, even though it felt like such a bad thing when it happened. It just really fits with what we're trying to do here with this podcast in general. So that's what we're going to start with today. So Neil, you're going to lay out the groundwork, even though it's just kind of hard to even talk about, just so that people understand what we're even referencing to or what we're talking about in general. Yeah. I mean, it's still a little, still fresh, still, you know, uh, kind of a tender time for, for me and for our whole family. But basically, a little over two weeks ago now, um, from when we're recording now, uh, my brother is a broker realtor and owned some rental properties and was going to, uh, you know, had some renters who um, I, I think that they they were weren't paying as agreed. And so basically went to, to have a conversation with them and, and talk about them moving out. And there was an incident there. We're not 100% sure exactly what happened on the details of it, but basically he was shot and killed. And then he was hidden within the property in a crawl space and basically was found the next day after a, a chain of events and, and it was discovered that, that he was dead. So just a really tough situation for myself, for my family, for um, his family, for everybody who knew Dave. And I think it's it's been amazing to see, I think, how it's it's impacted the community. And it's also, you know, was picked up by the national news. It's a national mm-hmm. story. Um, all the local stations in Utah, which is where this happened, picked up the story, obviously, and, and followed it and um, are, are continuing to follow it. But um, that's kind of the premise of what happened. And it's still, it's, it's an open investigation. So, you know, we're careful about the details that we share. Um, you know, if, if you are 
wanting to know more, there's plenty of news stories out there. If you Google his name, Dave Stoko, all of the, the news stories are out there. And what's yeah. been been released by the police um, is, is kind of what we know. But that's that's basically what happened, and that's that's where we're at. Yeah, that's just helpful so that you guys aren't like, what the heck are they talking about? They're speaking in code. So we thought it would be helpful to go back to the day that this all kind of happened for us and what it was like for us and just walk through that day, which was um, a Friday. So that morning, Neil and I woke up and went to the temple, We the Newport Temple. We had made a, I had made a goal of going to the temple each week in... 2019. And Neil was super supportive of that and said, yeah, I'll go with you whenever I can. So that morning we dropped our older girls off at school. We had a babysitter for Millie and we headed to the temple. And, um, do you want to talk about like your feelings there? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know at this point, we didn't know anything. This was Friday and, and he was the, you know, the incident happened on a Thursday. So at, at this point on Friday, he was actually, he was already gone. Um, we just didn't know. Nobody knew at that point. So we, we didn't went, even know he was missing. We didn't even know. I didn't even know he was missing. I didn't know anything. Um, but went to the temple, you know, it was something that we'd, we'd, Cran already talked about, you know, we'd planned on doing. And I think I just walked in and just felt like, okay, you know, another trip to the temple this is kind of what we do. And I just was overwhelmed with just the, you know, I don't know. I guess I'd call it the spirit or the power of God. I just felt that so strongly and it took me back. It took me by surprise because I typically don't, I always have a spiritual experience when I go there, but this was different. And I just felt myself kind of tearing up and I'm like, man, what's going on? Like, like I just feel such immense power and, and had a great session and felt really connected. My only feeling there that day too was, it was interesting. Like when we go, we try to just, you know, ask each other, like, did you get anything? Did you feel any like personal revelation? Did God speak to you? Whatever. And I just, the only thing that I felt that day, we were sitting at the very end of our temple worship. There's a place called the celestial room where you sit and it's just peaceful. And, um, you can see pictures of what that looks like before our temples are dedicated. There are pictures of what a celestial room would look like. It's really beautiful. So we were just sitting in that room and the only thing I felt was don't rush him. And, you know, Neil was just seemed just happy and like he was just in such a good place. And I felt, even though I knew I needed to get home and feed Millie, I'm still breastfeeding. That was my only feeling was don't rush him. And so I was like, okay. So I kind of just sat back and Neil was just, you know, seemed to be like processing things, life. I don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, it was a good, nothing ex, like outside of those feelings, it was really amazing and a powerful experience, but it wasn't like some, something crazy, some crazy revelation or experience of like, oh, there's something about to happen. Just no idea. Mm-hmm. But all throughout that day, just a feeling of, just a feeling of peace. Like I, f- I just felt total peace in my life and felt that everything was okay and was going to everything was going to be okay. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep moving forward and go about my day and, and take care of things. And, you know, we'll, you know, not suspecting anything. Right. So we came home, had lunch and started getting ready for a photo shoot. We had a photo shoot that afternoon for my blog, Mint Arrow. I mean, that's pretty normal for us just to have a photo shoot like once a week or once every other week at, at the very least. So, we had some 
content to shoot for, like, some baby content that I was going to do with Millie. And then we had a sponsored collaboration with Macy's. And I had – there were a couple items that I needed at Macy's. So I told Neil, okay, I'm going to start shooting with our photographer, Ariel, and Millie. We had to do this little bathtub shoot. And I said, why don't you run to Macy's and pick up this stuff for me while I do the little thing with Millie. And then you'll get back and I'll, we'll trade and you'll take Millie and I'll go shoot the Macy's campaign. And so Neil took off to Macy's and um, Ariel and I were shooting the little bathtub thing with Millie. And then what happened? And then I got a call from my one of my brother's friends who I, I haven't talked to for a, a few years and I thought it was weird that he was calling me. I'm like, man, why, you know, why is he calling me? He left me a voicemail. Didn't say any really anything much. He's just like, hey, man, what's up? Uh, just give me a call. And so I called him right back, and <clears throat> we just talked. He's like, hey, what's what's up? I'm like, nothing, man. Like, how you been? You know, I had no idea what was going on or what he was, you know, what was he was about to tell me. You know, we kind of shot the breeze for a minute, and then he's like, what do you know? I'm like, what do I know? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, about your brother. And then, and then at that point, he started to fill me in. He's just like, he's missing. They don't know where he is. Like, have you talked to him? And so we had, we talked back and forth and I just immediately was like, man, like what, you know, what's good. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I, I just didn't, I'm like, you know, it's probably fine in my mind. I'm like, this is probably fine. It's a, mis- it's a big misunderstanding. You know, he's, he, his cell phone ran out of batteries and he's like up the canyon or something out of reception. And, you know, I didn't think much of it, but I'm like, you know, what, what's the deal? And then I called my mom and she kind of, you know, told me the same thing and was like, I, you know, I think there's something wrong here. There's, there's, you know, they're just concerned about the situation. The police are involved. They filed the missing persons report. And then Corinne called while I was on the phone with my mom. So, yeah. So in the meantime, Ariel and I were shooting with Millie and we, we wrapped up the little bathtub shoot and then, you know, got her dressed and I was kind of just waiting for Neil to get back with the stuff from Macy's. And I got a text from one of my best friends and it was from, it was a screenshot from Salt Lake Police Twitter and it was a picture of Dave and it said, Dave Stoko missing and, you know, here's the number if you have any details, you know, South Jordan man missing. And she texted to me and said, is this someone you're related to? And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's Neil's brother. So immediately I tried to call Neil and he didn't answer. So then I called Neil's mom. And in the meantime, you were on the phone with her and then you hung up. And I called you. And then I called her. And so she, it was so confusing, but she picked up the phone and I said, Diane, what's going on? And she was like, who am I talking to now? And I told her like, oh, this is Corinne. She's like, oh, Corinne. And she starts telling me what's going on. And then you called. So I put the three of us on the phone together. So the three of us were all talking at that point. And I was like, what is happening? And then you guys both filled me in on what you knew, which wasn't much at that point other than not a whole lot. we just know that Dave's missing and he's been missing since yesterday. And nobody was quite sure where he was or what happened. So then we got off the phone with your mom. She hung up, and you and I kept talking, and I said, forget the Macy's order. Just come home because you were sitting in the park, and you had Lila with you. Yeah. So you're sitting in the parking lot fielding these phone calls and text messages, and I was like – and then at that point, I started getting more text messages too from other friends and people asking me what was going on, and I said, just come home. So, you know, we canceled the rest of the photo shoot. Neil came home, and – 
we, you tried to call Nikki once or twice, right? Dave's yeah, wife. Yeah, I mean, we came we came back and checked some of the news. Like, the, I'm like, it sounds like it's on the news. And so it really didn't, I really, the whole time, I, I actually felt total peace. I'm like, almost like he's fine. I'm like, don't, you know. And so I'm like, okay, this is probably just a big misunderstanding. And Right, that's I what we know. kept saying. I'm like, like, I just think that there's, I'm like, he's probably fine. He like, left his phone is... somewhere or something weird happened. And I thought People that. are just confused. And, yeah. And until I saw, then like we, there was a face, I think it was a Facebook live that a news station in Utah was doing with, at the, at the scene yeah, in front of the house that, that he had gone to, you know, talk to these tenants or evict these tenants. And the police officer was talking, and then you could see in the background everything was like taped off with the crime scene yellow tape, and there was a full-on investigation going in the background. And then I'm listening to what the officer is saying and how he's saying it and the tone in which he's saying it. And immediately, like first, I was like, this is a joke. Like this seems like I'm waiting for somebody to come out and be like, ha, 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 like, gotcha. You know, we made this video to make it look like, you know, something was wrong, but, like, you're being punked. Like, it, it really just, I'm like, I can't believe this. They're saying my my brother's name. They're like, Dave Stoko, you know, came down here to talk to some tenants, and we haven't seen him. We're concerned. We're concerned for him and his well-being. Um, you know, they're saying stuff like this, and I'm just like, it starts to set in that I'm like, okay, there's something big. Like, they've they've discovered things here. It was you when know, they said, we've found some things that, that are, very concerning. are very concerning. Yes, those were the words. And that's when for you and me both, we were I like, was like, okay, oh, this, is this is something, real. Yeah. something's going on here that's, that's way beyond what I thought. So I, I tried to call my sister-in-law, his wife, Nikki, and, and I just was like, hey, you know, left her a message. I'm like, I know you're probably getting blasted right now. I, I just want to talk to you. And which she did call me back. And we had a conversation and, and, you know, she filled me in on what, what she knew. and, and Which then, still wasn't much. Which still wasn't a whole lot. But at that point, you know, she's like, can you come out? Can you fly? We're in California. And, and she's like, can you come to Utah? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I will be out on the next flight that I possibly can. Well, and also, I like, I remember that afternoon, too, my friends and my family, my immediate family start texting me. They're like, what do you know? What do you know? And I'm like, literally, we don't know. And the, the most we knew was from, like, the Salt Lake Police Twitter. Like, that. Yeah. We didn't know and anything. And, like, what was on the news. Right. We, we were knew getting the same, the same information that, that everybody the general else public was. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing that There's we no knew. There's no inside that info. Any, no. So, you know, Neil gets off the phone and he's like, Nikki needs me out there now. And I was like, okay. So we pull out the computer and I'm looking up flights and he's panicking and I'm, I'm trying to be like a little bit of a calming, like, Hey, you know what? Like, just let's take a, take a deep breath. Like it's probably going to all work itself out. Like, let's look up flights and see what the options are, but like, don't panic yet. You know? So I looked up the flights. There was only at that point in the day, there was only one flight left. There was nothing out of the airports that were a little bit farther away, the closest airport to us, there was one flight out, but it left at like 5.45. And at that moment, it was 5 p.m. And it was like, gosh, you maybe would make this. And it was a $1,500 flight. And I was like, I just, I was like, let's just give it an hour or two. Let's just see what happens tonight. Because at this point, you probably won't even make this flight, even if we spend the money on it. So let's just see what happens, and you can go out on the first flight tomorrow morning. And and let's at just this see. point, I still felt like I was going to get the call that he was fine. I really, right. I'm like, you know, even in in about you know, as we were about to book that, I 
I was like, you know, I, I feel like he's fine. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be just fine and I'm just going to get a phone call and it's like, hey, this is a big misunderstanding. You know, he's he's fine and don't worry about coming out, blah, blah, blah. So I, I really wasn't even sure. And so we just kind of waited. We just kept waiting and kept waiting and, you know. We put the kid. we like had dinner. It's kind of a blur, but we had dinner. We put the kids to bed and we were still kind of just waiting, checking the news feeds, checking Twitter, check, you know. I, like, put a, an alert on Salt Lake Police Department Twitter so that I would my phone would get a notification if they did any new tweets. And they were, I mean, they were looking for his car. They kept throwing yeah. his, his car and his face up on the news, you know, the news feeds. And we're like, hey, if you have any information, and Neil asked, find them. Yeah, and Neil asked me to post. I said, when, when this first broke, I was like, do you want me to post anything? And at first he was like, no, let's just wait. And then after I think you saw that the Facebook report, Live, yeah. You were like, yes, please post this. Like, we need as many eyes as we can get on this. And and the news, too. Sorry, not the news, but the police said, please share this. We're asking people to please share this. So yeah, once we found out that the police find. were asking people to share, then Neil was like, yeah, please, let's share this. So I was sharing it on all my social media accounts. And we were trying to get the word out, trying to get his face out, trying to get the car. Yeah, the car info out yeah. and all that. And so we, yeah, we didn't hear anything and it just got later and later and later. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just waiting for my call. I'd talk to my parents again. They're like, we're just waiting. We're all just kind of hanging. Mm-hmm. So I think finally, I mean, all of a sudden I, it was like probably 10, nine o'clock, nine or, you know, getting later. Yeah. And I think that I'm like, okay, well, either way. I'm going to fly out. Like, even if, you know, he's fine, I still like at the level that this thing's at, I at least think it'd be important to just talk to him face to face and talk to everybody and just be there. So I, I, we booked my flight. No, babe, we, we didn't, didn't book, book my your flight. flight. I don't no, know. we were still waiting. I don't remember, but, <laughs> but I, but we were, yeah, we, we had decided you were for sure going to go out, but we were kind of waiting to just hear anything. We were like, let's either, cause I remember saying, no matter what, the flights aren't going to change between now and tomorrow morning. So let's, you know, wait an hour or two and then we'll book your flight once we find out more. But, yeah, we had decided that you were going to go either way for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd plan on going. So then I'm like, well, I might as well start packing because I know I'm going to go either way. Right. So I was literally went over to our closet where we keep all of our suitcases and I was looking at it. And I was literally thinking, what bag should I pack? Should I pack a carry-on? that's going to get me through the weekend or do I need to pack a full size bag for the week? And I, and I think I was, I was even praying about it. I was like, which, you know, what should I pack? And then right then Corinne yelled from our, from our bedroom. She's like, Hey, your phone's ringing. And so I ran, ran back in and it was my sister-in-law, Nikki. And so I pick up the phone and you know, she just basically, she's like, Hey, where are you? Cause she knew that I was flying out. I'm like, I'm, I'm at my house. I couldn't make the last flight out. I'm coming first flight tomorrow morning. She's like, okay. And then, and then she just said they found him. And so the way she, her tone and the way she said they found him, I knew it wasn't good. I knew I'm like, he's hurt. He's severely injured. You know, there was, you know, I don't know what happened, so, I mean, I almost sarcastically said, I'm like, well, is he alive? Like almost pretty much joking. I was like, is he alive? And then, you know, brief pause. Then she's like, he's dead. And I just couldn't, 
I just couldn't even believe it. I could not fathom. I, I think I just, at that point, I was walking over. There's this little rocking chair in our bedroom, and I just, I just almost like collapsed onto this thing and sat down. And yeah, just, you did. You collapsed into the chair, and you were just like, oh, like the sound that came out of like when you. I heard you ask, "Is he alive?" And then I saw your face go white and you were like, oh, and you sat in that chair and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I knew in that moment. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I <sighs> just sat down and just, we talked for a minute more and, you know, I just was like, hey, as crazy as this sounds, I know that there's a plan. I know that there's mm-hmm. a God, like I know we're going to see him again. And I, and I'm like, I know that it, everything is going to be okay. And I think that's the only thing that came into my mind. Um, but man, just absolute total confusion, just shock. I didn't yeah. even, I didn't even believe it. I hung up the phone. She's like, I got to go. I got to, you know, I got to talk and, and to my family. And, and then I, I just sat there with my, my hand on my head and I just, I'm like, I just was in total shock. And then I remember the first thing that popped into my mind was I got to tell my parents like nobody, no one knows yet. Like I have to call my parents and tell them, and they've already, you know, at this point we'd already had a a family member, one of my other brothers commit suicide when I was 13 and and Dave was, I think, 17. And, you know, you looked at me and said, how am I going to tell my mom? Yeah. I'm like, how, how am I going to tell my parents that another son is dead? Like I'm, I have to be the one to share that information. And so, and it, it almost didn't feel real. I remember I was almost like, I almost didn't want to make the call because it still felt like somehow that was going to be inaccurate. They're going to call me back and be like, oh, you know what? Hey, wrong person. He's actually just fine. But I, I'm like, I got to call him. And so I, like, <clears throat> I called up my parents and I mean, there's, there's just no, smooth way to say that there there's no way that you can gently tell parents that they're they've lost a, another son so i mean i i was pretty i just was direct and i was in shock myself I, I just said you know i'm like hey they you know i just talked to nikki and and they found him and he's dead and and i just i just kind of kept saying that almost to like try and convince myself i'm like he's dead i'm like i can't believe it like he, you know, and my parents were just, just absolutely devastated, just totally crushed. And, and I mean, you could, you could hear it, but also at the same time, like we talked and we talked about, you know, God's plan and families being together forever and like an understanding, you could feel that in the conversation that there was an understanding that we're, you know, we're eternal beings, like we're going to see, you know, there, there was just another presence in that conversation that was very strong, that was comforting. And, I, and yeah, teaching. I have to say that it, that was such a, I mean, I haven't had anyone close to me die since I was six years old. And so to be, to witness that and be a small part of that, and just to see like how your family, how you dealt with that with both Nikki and with your parents immediately upon finding out the news, it was like, hey, there's a plan. Families are, you know, families are forever. And I mean, that was like immediately what you fell on, you know? 
That wasn't like some afterthought that came in later on, like once you had timed it. It was like that was something that was really profound to me that you immediately fell back on that. That And that's what immediately came to my mind. I mean, it just when something like that happens and you're dealing with some news at, at that level and that magnitude, it just cuts through all of the all the junk and, you know, all the all the nonsense in life. All the things that just really at the end of the day don't matter. Right. Like very quickly, it was very clear to me what, what matters and what's important. And it's, you know, people, it's family, it's relationships, it's God's plan. All of these things, it just, all of that just rose to the top. And, and I'm like, that's what, what, you know, what the focus was. So from there, I mean. Well, and just to interject too, for me, I was just like kneeling on the ground in front of Neil, like Neil sitting in. That sounds weird because I'm saying kneeling and kneel. Mm -hmm. But you're sitting in the chair. I'm like kneeling on the ground in front of you, just kind of waiting, like just listening, just trying to be there for you. Yeah, we sat in silence. I don't think I said anything for like. No, and I just kind of tried to just wait for him to be ready or to, I was like, do you, what can I do for you? Can I, do you want me to start packing for you? And you were like, yeah, I guess. So I, (laughs) that was a disaster. I tried to pack for you for a minute. Um, then we booked our flights. We booked, I was like, well, I got to go with you. So we booked the first flights out the next morning. I think it's interesting, like from, uh, maybe it's not that interesting, I don't know. But for me, like from the perspective of the wife of someone who this is happening to, it felt like time was just frozen for a minute there. And it was like, you're saying, you know, we're trying to accept the reality, but I didn't even quite know how to respond to it. I didn't know what to say to you. I didn't know if I should back off or try to be there. So I kind of just was in the same room waiting for when I could say something or be supportive or be but I didn't want to like push that on you it was a weird it was a weird time where it felt like time was just frozen I don't even know if that explains just that weird shock of like oh my gosh is this real and is this really happening and anyway so we kind of just started in slow motion to put things together like put our suitcases together and and then our church leaders found out because we actually were supposed to host a youth activity that night. We were supposed to help host a couple of youth kids that were going to come over to our house. And so I had to call and cancel that. And so they they knew that something was going on because we had canceled that commitment. And our bishop, who is our church leader, when he found out, he immediately like called and texted you. Right? I think he called and texted. I think so. I think you saw the... I was getting texts, like, just oh, yeah. coming through. My phone was blowing up. And so I wasn't even paying attention. I was trying to pack, and, like, I just... I couldn't... My mind was... I just couldn't pack. I was, like, just grabbing random stuff, and I'm like, I don't... I can't even think right now. It's a wonder that we made it there with any outfits that even made sense, yeah, because I, we... I did the same thing. I just, like, like threw around clothes in. But about an... Also, like, about an hour later... Don't you think about an hour after we found out, that's when, like, the media found out, and then everybody knew. Yeah, and that's when I think it became real. I still was in shock and almost didn't believe it. But then Corinne was like, hey, Salt Lake, you know, Salt Lake Police Department just tweeted out, 
you know, we found Dave Stokoe. He's, he's no longer alive, you know, and, and had some tweet. And I think that's when it was just completely official for me. And then I came back into my closet and I was trying to pack. I was just on my hands and my knees in the closet. I just couldn't even think was like, all right, I got to grab something. I got to grab something. And then Corinne came in and she's like, Hey, I just got a, a text from the Bishop. And, um, you know, he wants to know if you need a blessing, uh, which is basically in our church, you know, people who are, are hold the priesthood or God's, what we call God's authority or power can give special blessings of comfort or counsel or healing. And so our, our church leader had offered this and I hadn't even crossed my mind yet. I didn't even, I mean, wasn't even thinking about about myself, like needing help. Mm -hmm. But suddenly I think that's when things started catching up to me. And I just said, I just said, yeah, I would love that. And then I think from there, it just started to set in and I just broke down. I think at that point. Right. That was that from my memory too, that was when it like hit you. It hit me. We both cried. Like it was, yeah. Anyway, so the bishop came over a couple hours later. No, not even a couple hours later. I would say less like than an, an hour. hour like yeah. 20, 20 minutes. He came over with another, um, you know, another brother from our ward who, who knows our, who knows us well. He's assigned to be like our, he's our he minister over us. Kind of just like, it's pretty cool in our church. Everyone is assigned different people to kind of watch over or be, be a, minister to them. The help or yeah. serve so, or whatever. So he came over with him. And those guys show up like at the drop of a hat in white shirts and ties, you know, and just there to serve, there to support and offer some type of peace and comfort if they could. It was pretty amazing to see that just like yeah, so just quickly they came right over. Yeah, love and support. They were yeah. just right there. I mean, it, it was a, it just was comforting to see them walk through the door and I just felt like, you know, love and peace and you know, the God with me. And so it was really cool. We, we, you know, got these special blessings. I went first and then Corinne went and they, they said a lot of really cool things and offered a lot of peace and comfort and counsel. And, you know, it was a really powerful experience, you know, to, to, to have that. And then afterward, I mean, we talked for a minute and, you know, they were about to walk out the door yeah, they were on their way out. They were on their way out, and then our, you know, our bishop, the leader of our congregation, he he just kind of stopped and almost as an afterthought, he's like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm not one to try and, you know, say that I'm I'm getting some revelation for for God for you, or I'm, you know, I've." He's like, "I just had a thought and, and an impression as we we're doing these these blessings." He's like, "Things are going to come out." about this situation, there's going to be details that are going to be upsetting and that, that are going to cause, you know, a lot of, a lot of frustration or hurt or pain or questions resentment. or resentment mm -hmm. or anger or whatever, you know, he's like, I, I just feel like I should tell you not to focus on that, but, but direct not your, not to get caught in the details, but, but you got to direct your focus onto the man your brother was what the legacy he left behind, what he stood for, and the good that can come out of this situation. He basically said this this situation has the potential to be a springboard for so much good in so many people's lives if you let it. Mm -hmm. But if you get overwhelmed by the details of it, you know, people are going to miss that opportunity 
to, to have, you know, a major positive and profound impact on their lives. Right. And so I took that and I was like, wow, you know, and, and I, and I, I, you know, I took it to heart, but I, I, at that point, I did not understand the impact that that statement and that what he said would have no, neither on the did. next week the magnitude and on the of, things that yeah. followed. I mean, that was the most profound and still to this day is the most profound bit of counsel that we've, you know, received on working with this. Yeah, I feel like in that moment, it really was just kind of almost we accepted it almost in passing of like, okay, thanks. Like, thanks for coming over. We just still were in this like still just in shock blur Mm -hmm. of like what just happened. So it was kind of like, okay, you know, thanks, Bishop. Thanks for coming over. And anyway, so we just kept, we came upstairs, finished packing. And I remember saying to you, do you think you're going to be able to sleep? And you said, yeah, I think so. And I didn't really sleep that night. I, I kind of um, just had nightmares all night. About, I was like up every hour. And yeah. I, just, I didn't really sleep very much. And then we left the house at five something. Five in the morning. The we had a friend, morning, you know, we, take us to the airport. Yeah. We got Millie up and stuck her in the car seat and I had a bottle for, I sat in the back seat and fed her a bottle and we went to the airport and, um, and flew into Utah, got there. My parents came and picked us up and. I just like seeing my parents, like they, you know, they both were there, got out of the truck and hugged us. And that was, you know, another like moment of like, wow, this is, this is really, this is why we're here. And I don't know. That was an emotional moment for me. Um, Maybe do you want to share what you kind of your like one event at a time thing when we were on the airplane, you were like, if I can just do this, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a basically something that I learned in, in recovery. I mean, we, we kind of came out uh, almost a year ago to the day about, I've struggled with a a lifelong addiction to pornography and, you know, had been in recovery and off and on with it. You can learn about that story. There's a a whole blog post Corinne did about it. But, um, but one of the things that I learned in the recovery process was the concept of like one day at a time, like taking on things or even less than that, an hour at a time or 30 minutes at a time. And, and, you know, I can hang, I can be okay for the, you know, and so that's, that's what I did on the, on the plane ride. I remember just being so overwhelmed and thinking about the future and, you know, we call it future tripping where you're just so, you're running all these different scenarios of like, man, what, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? What's going to happen with this? What happened? You know, all this stuff can just be absolutely crippling and overwhelming. And I just, I just had the thought, I'm like, I need to stop. I will be okay for the plane ride. I will be okay. Like I, you know, I read some scriptures. I read some, some talks from, you know, leaders of our church. That's all I did. I just studied, you know, the gospel and, and found a lot of peace and comfort in that. But that's really with this, this whole time. And especially those first few days, like, I'm like, okay, I can handle the next like 20 minutes and that's about it. So I just piece by piece walked through the day like, you know, probably in hour increments and, and just took what was in front of me and took care of that. And then, and thank goodness I'd learned how to do that, you know, trying to overcome an addiction. But yeah, then, then we went out to, um, you know, my, my, uh, family member's house where my sister-in-law was there. Was gathering. Everyone yeah. was gathered. A few of my brother's friends were there. My parents were there. And so it was just very, I mean, the feeling, I mean, something about presence, 
and the power of presence that people and that we all have, like walking into that room and seeing friends and family members and everyone, like you could just feel heaviness, but you'll, you could also feel just absolute love and, and appreciation for one another. It was very spiritual. We walked in and hugged, embraced everyone and, you know, and, and just, you know, ex- expressed sentiments, uh, you know, and, and our feelings and then kind of talked through what we knew of the situation, which again was very little. All we knew was what had been mostly, you know, released and, and just talked. But I, I think again, this was the first time I, you know, I shared what, what the, our Bishop had said to us. I'm like, you know, guys, I, I just feel really strongly. I'm like, I, I think that, you know, there's a reason behind all this. And one of the things that, that our Bishop had said in this blessing, which at the time threw me a little bit, he's like, you know, well, he didn't say, you know, it was, it was during a blessing. So it was more formal, but he said, you know, it it was Dave's time. Um, he was, he was ready and, and prepared. And and he said that both in yours and in mine. He said it in both of ours. And I kind of, I'm like, you know, this has to do with the agency of other people. Like that could be very controversial or even hurtful to certain, certain people. Like I, I didn't take it that way, but, but I felt that. And I felt that way when we were all meeting together. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like that's right. And that, that, you know, regardless of how it happened and, and maybe it would have happened a different way, you know, had this not happened, but, but I think that he had been prepared and was ready and completed what he needed to complete. So I expressed that. I told my family that, and, and it was interesting one by one, everyone shared an experience that they had with Dave where he had, you know, had a conversation with them where it helped you know, basically the, the underlying message was, you know, I've, I've completed what I need to complete. I'm, I'm trying to look for what I need to do next. Like I've hit my goals. I spiritually, I want more like where, where do I go from here? It was almost like he had hit kind of a plateau in his life of what, you know, he's a very extremely high achieving individual and he, and he accomplished a lot and impacted tons of lives. And I think he wanted to do more. And Everyone expressed that and it was really powerful. But again, I think it focused everybody on, on my brother and on the impact that he had had and the way that he had touched our lives and the way that he had changed us. And this theme kind of emerged from that of like inspiration to do good, inspiration to be better, like a, you know, a motivational you know, moment or message that, that kind of came out or was emerging from all of this, you know, this, this terrible situation that was good, that was, that was light, that was overshadowing by a long shot, all of the details, all of the, you know, terrible things that, that, you know, the situation had, had brought up and and had been discussed. Well, and on that first day, Every time I, I just watched Neil's like leadership come out in his family because every time the conversation kind of started turning toward that, like, well, what were these people thinking or how did this happen or what about this? What about that? Every time Neil would be like, you know, guys, I don't think Dave would want us doing this. I don't think he would want this to just take us out. I think he would want us to be loving each other. And that, that was his whole thing was like, you know, love your life, love each other, like be your best self. And every time Neil would bring that up, everyone in the room would be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That is what Dave would want. He would want us to 
he would want his death to count for something. He would want good things to come out of this. He wouldn't want all the people he loves to be miserable and to be kind of, for lack of better terms, like taken out by the bad guys. Like if this takes us all out and we're all just feeling like so sad and so overwhelmed by this, that's not what he would want. And every time Neil brought that up, everyone around, his friends and family, everyone agreed. They would all be like, yeah, you know what? That's right. And that's what I really felt um, like the next day through kind of a course of events. I mean, media had been reaching out to my cousin and basically everybody trying to get in my family, trying to get a statement from us or some type of a, you know, interview. And we, I was just, you know, so emotional about the situation and everyone was, we were just trying to console each other that, you know, I'm like, I just can't even, and I, I think everyone was like, I just can't even bring myself to have a conversation. But, um, but, but that day too, like when people were having those conversations and it was turning back into the positive, I was kind of, I kind of just sat on the stairs and just was there to support, but didn't have, you know, wasn't really like in the middle of those conversations. I was just kind of listening and people were saying stuff like Dave was a champion. Like Dave was a warrior. And like that stuff that, you know, all of his, all the people that who were close to him were describing him in that way. And so I kind of was just listening and not even with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to remember this stuff, but it was just, I there was were, just observing. There were obvious themes and Dave's yeah. very into inspirational, motivational things. He was a motivational speaker and, and force throughout his life. So he, he always had, he had a lot of just catchphrases and causes and things that he would advocate and, mm -hmm. and he would mentor a lot of people. And so all of these themes were coming out in these conversations and just a really positive, just powerful feeling of, you know, what this experience can do if we, Use if we good. frame it in the right mm -hmm. way and we, we put out the right message. So, you know, through a course of events, I realized like the media was already dropping stories on everything. They had interviewed, you know, some other people and, and gotten some different perspectives. And I was quickly realized this story is being told. And one way or we're another. one way or, any, yeah. way or another, this is being told and we're not telling it. And so I, I, you know, somebody had mentioned, I don't know if it was an officer that we had talked to or somebody was like, you need a family spokesperson. Um, and so I, I kind of, figured that out quickly. I'm like, we got to speak up. And they were asking us for a statement. So Corinne sat down and, and based off of the conversations that we'd had earlier, drafted up, you know, this really amazing, powerful statement about, you know, how we felt and, but how we also, how we were choosing to remember Dave and focus on the positive of the situation. And, and it and, wasn't, it wasn't like I felt like I was being amazing. It was literally just like you said, like his life was these themes that repeated themselves over and over. And so just by sitting back and listening to what people were saying all day, that first day when we all came together, that afternoon, it was pretty easy for me to put other people's words together into something that just felt right. And it felt, a lot of times when I sit down to write Mintero meaningful messages that go out on Monday nights, I feel like I'm not even the one writing them. I feel like, almost like God's writing it for me. I know that sounds crazy, but this was one of those moments where when I sat down to put that together, it was like other people's words about Dave and who he was and and what he would want conveyed and, and what would, really honor him as a person, it just kind of came together. It wasn't like I had to even think very much about it. 
you know? It just yeah. really was was pretty seamless just because of those themes that just kept popping up over and over about Dave's a warrior. Dave's a champion. Dave, you know, would want us to fight our fight. He, like, those things just kept coming up over and over that day. And and so it, we agreed well, we on that. it. We read it to the family and to the friends and everyone who was close. And everyone's like, yeah, that's great. You and know, Nikki that, that's added really a couple things. Nikki added a, a couple things. Yeah. And so we... You know, I passed that along to my cousin and, and he passed it along to the newspapers and media. And then the next day I basically recognized, I'm like, we got to, we have to tell, you know, our story and, and the real story of, of who Dave is and, and paint that picture accurately. So I, you know, called everyone up or I texted everyone. I just said, Hey, I'm going to nominate myself as the spokesman for our family. Please direct all media contacts to me um and then right after i did that my phone just exploded <laughs> i mean just boom, 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 i mean just so many people to all these news stations texting me you know hey hey hey, we want to meet up you know can you meet us in an hour can you meet us in two and it just was crazy voicemails coming in and um i just was like wow okay you know i need i need to do this and and be prepared to do it that was on sunday and it was on sunday um so i went over and i met with we met with nikki we met with her kids we talked to them we talked about you know like hey we're gonna meet i'm gonna meet with the media you know what what's what what should people know about dave what what's important like what do we need to talk about um and so all these themes that we'd already mentioned about you know an amazing mentor amazing person someone who cares deeply about his family Spending time with his family, you know, bettering that was other people, bettering other yeah. people. I mean, everybody, I think in this situation, anybody would have great things to say about a family member. But I think Dave had, it wasn't just generic things like, oh, he's a good man or he's a good person or he's a close friend. It was like he was exceptional. specific yeah. things like Dave mentored me through this challenging time in my life or, you know, I was struggling with suicidal thoughts and tendencies and Dave was helping me through that. And, you know, everyone that I talked to outside, like friends and family had a specific experience that they shared where David positively impacted or even changed their life. So I took all that and you know, set up individual meetings with each of the major news stations in Utah. And we just scheduled them in, I think, half an hour increments back to back. So I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is a lot, you know, this is very highly emotional. I'm gonna have to do this like five times. So one by one, these, these stations showed up. I think the first one was a, was Fox 13 out of Utah. You know, super, super nice gal. And this, this, you know, this brother comes in the cameraman and, and I just felt, the the thought that came to me was like, how would Dave treat these people? I'm like, Dave, he really built relationships with everybody quickly. And so I'm like, that's what I did. I came in and, you know, and, and just had tried to establish a relationship with these people and, and saw it. I'm like, man, they're, they're taking the time to come and talk to me. Like, I'm grateful for this opportunity and I'm grateful for these people coming in and being willing, willing to share a story. So we sat down, I sat down in the front of the camera, they set it up and we were in um, my in-laws, Karen's mom and dad, their kitchen, um, you know, set up on, we got two stools set up and we've got their camera equipment, the light, you know, interviewers interviewing me. And we talked about what to share before then, but as I was began talking about it, like I, I just had such a powerful and profound experience of people that I could feel in the room and, and behind me, but that were not in the physical world. 
like like could feel the power of people you know in the like in angels. the unseen world yeah. angels or what you know however you want to call it and i and i knew i just this a message started to to formulate in my mind and it talked about you know hey we're choosing to focus on the positive right now and and when there were questions about details which actually the the reporters they were all so polite and they didn't you know i thought they were going to grill me they were really really respectful um, but anytime there was questions about details, I'm like, you know, we're choosing right now to focus on the man that Dave was and is mm-hmm. and the amazing outpouring of love and what's happening in the community right now, because all of these amazing things were happening. People were coming together. People were reaching out. Acts of kindness were just pouring out to the family, people with one another. I mean, people were rallying in so many positive and good ways. And that's something that that we should probably like bring back up too is that when we did that family statement, the one thing that Nikki was like, I really want you to add something in there about service because yeah. That day, so when we met, so when we flew in and we met up with the family, everyone was kind of gathering. They were at a different family member's house. They weren't at Dave and Nikki's house. So we kind of spent the whole entire day there. And then we met back up. We went home for an hour or two, and we met back up later on that night at Dave and Nikki's. And there were people who were just walking out of the house with like, like cleaning supplies and buckets and and like glo- like cleaning gloves and stuff. And we were like, "Oh, what happened here?" And we found out that like over a hundred people had showed up to their house and cleaned it top to bottom, took Christmas down stocked the fridge, stocked the freezer, stocked the pantry. I'm not talking about like they dropped off a plate of cookies. Like these people went to Costco and like stocked it to the brim so that she would have plenty of food, plenty, you know. They did things like change out light bulbs and change the batteries and fire alarms, like just little things that just to make sure that this family was just set up. And... I think everyone was so overwhelmed by the love and that people came together to just serve and to love and to make Dave's family feel loved that when we made that statement, that was the one thing that Nikki was like, I really need you to mention service and thanking people for their service because it was just so touching to watch these communities come together and people just band in love and encircle this family with love in, in acts of service, not just like... Um, hey, let me know if you need something, but just like, we're not going to wait to find out what you need. We're going to show up and we're going to, we're going to serve you People right just now. came out. Yeah. And, and I mean, immediately we even had to regulate it because there was like three different GoFundMe's that just immediately were posted up and people like wanted to help. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was getting texted like, Hey, people are wanting to know if there's a GoFundMe or where they can donate. They like, everyone wants to help the family. Like, where do we go? So we had to regulate and put that together because it's like you know nikki and four little kids these are little kids that you know so there's a lot to it and and people and that was the cool thing is people wanted they were just like we want to help please like help us know where where can we be you know how can we help and so there are all these cool things happening and so many things coming out and i and i just really felt strongly that i'm like dave wouldn't want us focusing on you know, the circumstances of his death and what mm-hmm. happened and all, and all that stuff. He's like, you know, I, I really felt him saying like, I want people to change their lives because of this. I want people to take a cause that they feel passionate and strongly about 
And I want them to blast that out and become an advocate for that cause. I want people to change themselves, change their communities. He was always about a bigger picture or a bigger cause. Um, he did, you know, suicide prevention seminars or talks that he would go to these high schools and talk about suicide prevention, and he would try and inspire that. He was after into different calls Steve after died. my brother Steve died when we were younger, he, you know, and after he was out of high school. And so things like that, he was always passionate about it. And he'd, he'd have different phrases. He'd talk to me about it. He's like, you know, like, people need to fight their fight. Whatever battle it is, whatever they're going through in their life, they need to know that it's okay for them to accept that battle and not feel like they got to fight it alone and, and be quiet about it and be silent or be ashamed, at, you know, of, of that battle. But to fight that fight and to, to fight it well and to fight it with, with gratitude, recognizing that it can make you a better person. So like all these causes and all these things that be, became very clear to me in doing these new spots back to back to back, I'm like, that's what's supposed to happen here. And that's what is happening. But this needs to come across or else people are going to miss it. This is just going to be a story about somebody getting, you know, getting shot and, and in these circumstances, and this is what happened. And these are the people that did it and X, Y, Z people are going to miss it. They're going to miss an opportunity to better themselves, to better their lives, you know, to do so much good and focus on the love that's coming out of it. So, I, you know, express well, that in these, in these new spots. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I thought was so cool is like all of these new stations sat there with you for a good 30 minutes and then it gets squashed down to like, you yeah, know, like 90 seconds, two minutes at the most. Seconds, yeah. yeah. And each one of them, they captured that message and they, and not only did it go out into just the local news in Utah, ABC, CBS, NBC, they all went national. Like all of these national news picked up the story too. And there was somebody in Australia that reached out to one of my brother's friends and was like, Hey man, I just heard about this on our news station here in Australia that this had happened. Um, so I mean the, the attention and this messaging went out across, across our nation and even beyond. And that was the cool thing is that, I feel like, you know, for the most part, they got the message and they mm-hmm. put it across, which I was so grateful for that that it came through and then they were able to portray it in the way that, you know, that I had hoped. Right. And it really, I think if I didn't know Dave myself and if I didn't know you being married to you and and know you guys as well as I do, I would think like, oh, that's like, everybody has nice things to say about somebody yeah. after like, they Like, of course die. you're going to say like, like all these on. great things about this person. But one thing I thought was so cool was that, and I knew this about Dave, that he had changed his career. He had gone from being like, hey, I just want to like annihilate the real estate industry in Utah, which he did. He was like and a number one, be like, like the number one salesman. Yeah. For real estate, he turned his career into, okay, like... Now I just want to help other people be their best self. And so one thing that made it really real to me was that my mom was telling me that somebody that she knew, like a a friend of a friend, told her when all this stuff broke out, reached out to my mom and said, you know, Dave took me under his wing and started teaching me how to be a good realtor and really, like, made me feel like, you know, I was going to be his, like, special mentor 
you know, he was going to mentor me and it didn't benefit him at all. And he went way out of his way to go the extra mile to teach me and follow up with me and do all these things to develop me. And that was really cool for me to hear. But what was even more crazy was they had a candlelight vigil on Monday night. So all this happened. He died on Thursday. We found out on Friday. We flew into Utah Saturday. You did the media Sunday. And then Monday night was the candlelight vigil. And it was so crazy. Not only in, they had like a speaker at the front, like a microphone, and different people came up and spoke that worked with him. But then even in conversations that I just heard going on, like side conversations, all these people, like just different people were like, yeah, you know, like I was kind of Dave's like special person that he was really working with, like right before he died. And like every, he had the this way of making every single person feel like, they were like the special person in his life that he was working with. And he really did just go from focusing on like, how can I like be the best to, okay, now I've achieved all that. Like now, how can I help other people be their, their best? That was his whole vision. Yeah. And I mean, and even when he did that, like from, from just like a business pers- standpoint, he actually, he took a pretty significant pay cut, I think, I believe to go and be a mentor, you know, and, and help other people. And that was his focus. And he did that. He did that for me my entire life. And I thought like, well, yeah, I'm his brother. Of course, he's going to do that for me. And But as I talked to each person individually, I'm like, he did the exact same thing. And he treated them the exact same way as he treated his own brother. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how you pull that off. So just, a, you know, well, really I, amazing experiences. Can I tell my last like yeah. experience I had with Dave? If I can do it without crying. So... The last time we saw Dave in person was Christmas Eve, and Neil's family does a Christmas Eve party every year. So we show up, and I'm uh, even now today I'm still nursing Millie, but you know obviously at Christmas a couple months ago I was, and um, so we show up, we're doing the family party, and then it was time for her to eat, and I was like, hey Dave, can I? Is there a bedroom I can just go feed Millie in really quick? Because it was like tons of family was around. There wasn't a lot of room to like sit down on the couch without making it like awkward for somebody. Usually I don't care. I'll just throw a cover on, but there just were so many family members that I was like, this will be easier if I just go into a bedroom. And he was like, oh yeah, come upstairs with me. So he like went upstairs with me and he takes me into one of his kids' rooms and there's just like a twin bed in there. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. And he was like, no, wait just a minute. And he like starts looking around in closets and stuff. And I'm like, what is he doing? And he's like looking around and he's like, I'll be right back. And I'm like, okay. So I sit down on the bed and I'm just like hanging out waiting for him. And then he like pops back in the room and he's like frenzy, like looking around. He's like, I swear it's around here somewhere. And I was like, what are you looking for? And he was like, I just really, I want to get the rocking chair out for you. And I was like, no, 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 Dave, it's fine. I'll just sit on this bed. I'm like, I do it all the time. I'll be fine. He's like, no, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to like just a minute. So he like goes and like digs this rocking chair out of who knows where because his youngest is five years old so they obviously haven't used this rocking chair in years and he goes and unearths this rocking chair for me and is like shimmying it in sideways through the door and I was like oh my gosh Dave you didn't need to do that and he's like no you should be comfortable I want you to be comfortable while you're feeding your baby like you know he just went way out of his way to make sure that I felt like you know just in that moment, like, here, let me do whatever I can to take care of you. And that's just kind of how he was, like, with everybody, like, just made people feel like, in this moment, you're the most important person to me. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, that's how he lived his life, and especially with his family and with his, you know, 
with his his wife and mm-hmm. w- really showed me a lot of what I needed to do to be a good husband and a good father and set that precedent for me. So, I mean, it was just a powerful experience to, to not only feel that for myself and for, you know, Corinne to express that, but literally like hundreds of people out at this vigil saying the same thing and expressing the same thing and how powerful In the that freezing was. cold. And it was freezing <laughs> cold. There were like, I don't know outside. how many hundred, you know, I don't even, maybe even, I don't know if we were in the thousands or not, but I mean, there, there was a lot of people. There were for sure hundreds of people that showed up to this. But it was, it was just such a powerful powerful experience. And then just throughout the week, I kind of kept getting text messages from people sharing different stories and different things that, you know, ways that David helped them. I got, there's just a really, really powerful, powerful letter from his best, one of his best friends, just about an experience that they had together. And David written him this, this very just beautiful poetic letter to his friend, you know, that, that he shared with me, his friend shared with me and it just was so powerful. We ended up, he actually read it at the, at the funeral, but just so many powerful experiences, spiritual experiences that are really just, you know, too special and sacred to, to talk about, you know, in this format, but just really strengthened my understanding of of God, of Heavenly Father, His love for us, a plan, what really matters in life, you know, what we're doing here, you know, in life and what we need to be focusing on, all these things that it just, it kind of boils out the the day-to-day things that we get caught in and, and it allows you to focus on that, um, but really powerful. Yeah, and a couple themes for me, things that I just learned in a way that I've never learned them before Number one, you talked about this a lot in your interviews that, like, you know, Dave would come home and instead of, like, just doing whatever was good for him, he would, like, take time to color with his kids or jump on the tramp or do something fun. And, like, in in that way, it, it was a good reminder of, like, you never know and to always, you know, prioritize those relationships and he was so good at that and when I posted some things about that on social media I had a lot of people reach back out and say like wow we saw Neil's interview or we've seen some of the things you've posted and it's just really made us like reevaluate how much am I you know how much time am I spending with my family how much am I prioritizing the things that really matter so that was one theme that really came out for me Beyond just who Dave was, that was something that I feel like impacted a lot of people and change in a lot of people, which was really cool. The second thing, though, was just that it just strengthened my testimony and belief that there is life after this and that when people die, their physical bodies are, you know, obviously they're not with us here physically, but like that their spirit is so alive, like that they that this is not just the end. And like when we would talk about, you know, funeral plans or even like when we had the viewing, like a little small family viewing and just some of those personal, very sacred things you were talking about, just speaking in more general terms and not getting into the like really, really very personal details, but just in general, some of those really sacred things that we experienced just made me even more believe even more strongly that there is life after this and that our spirits are still very much alive and that 
we'll see Dave again, you know? So, and and that's the powerful, and that's, I guess for me, even at this moment, you know, obviously that's a huge loss for me. I mean, he's probably in, of my brothers, the one that, that overall I was, was closest to and was closest to an age. And, you know, both of my, my full, you know, brothers are now passed on. I've, I've got three half brothers, but I feel like he's still very alive for me and even more so than he's ever felt before when, when he was physically here. And that's just a powerful thing to me. Um, and, and just to feel him with me and, and, you know, to feel of his presence is just very, very special and very real. And I, I had a really impactful moment. I, I, um, talked to my, I served a mission for our church, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and then, you know, they have mission president and, and his wife who kind of oversee the mission and the, the, you know, working with the missionaries. And so my mission president's wife happened to come through the viewing, and I hadn't seen her for a long time, and it was such a special moment. One of the things she said, she saw, she said a lot of very, very impactful and just powerful things to me. One of them, though, was, you know, I was like, hey, I just, I feel like, yeah, I don't feel like he's gone. He's, he's always with me. And then I said, you know, I think, uh, I think that'll go away. I know it will. And I'll go back to my life. And, you know, maybe that'll hit when everything will hit and I'll be overwhelmed with grief. And she said, um, she said, no, it won't. That won't go away. He will always be with you. And she actually had just lost her husband. My mission president died a few years ago. And, you know, she talked a little bit about that, but she, it was so powerful for me that it's like, no, like they will always be with you. And I've, and I've felt that and I, and I believe that. So just some really powerful takeaways, like, and, and, you know, as far as where I'm at today, like, yeah, it's hard. Like that's a major void. That's a major loss. And I feel the weight of that loss and it's up and down. But overall, a few things that I do know and that I'm concrete on is I know he's in a very good place mm-hmm. and I know he is very well. I know that I'll see him again. I know that everything is right and everything will be okay in spite of circumstances, situations, things that are still playing out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I feel strongly and and have never felt this level of a belief in God and in a plan and in, you know, all of the things that I've been taught my whole life and, and read in the scriptures and understand to be true, I, I feel a whole new level of truth to those things. And I do feel a very strong sentiment that good things are going to come from this, that at some point in life, 10 years down the road, we're going to look back and be blown away at the amazing miracles that have happened in our own lives and in the lives of hundreds of thousands. And I would dare say even millions of people because of this this incident and the impact that that Dave has and will continue to have in in this whole situation, um, and that's really really the strong impression that I get. And so we're, you know we're we're st- just working through it one day at a time. I still take that approach, but I really do believe. And and having lost a brother before, it takes a long time, and it took me a long time to get to that point, but. I saw what the change that came about in my life and the change that came about in the lives of my family and the type of people we are now is a result of those challenges. And I I think there, and I I talked to somebody the other day, there's a quote by one of the leaders, early leaders of our church, Brigham Young, and it talks something to the effect of, 
you know, every challenge that we go through is necessary to our salvation or to live again with God. And that stood out to me. And I think that for me, that's, that's one of these moments. Yeah. And for me, one, one other thing too, I, I think that the level of peace that I've felt and that we've experienced has been something that's just unmatched with any other experience in my life so far. I think it's really interesting that the morning that we went to the temple, I posted on Insta stories, like the scripture, I posted a picture of the temple because we had come out and just felt so peaceful. And the scripture was just kind of swimming around in my head. So I posted it that morning, not even knowing any of this had happened. And it's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come unto me, all that ye labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's kind of just how we've had to do this. Like just, you know, putting all of the heavy stuff, giving that to God, and then just trying to lean on what we know and focus on what we know and focus on the love that we feel for Dave and for our family and for the savior and for, you know, looking for the good and in, in amidst the, the chaos and the, the confusion and questions, you know, that really is what has carried us and, and the prayers. That's another That's thing really too, cool, yeah. that has been, just something I've never felt or experienced in my life. Like we just have received so many messages from people saying, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. It is some, it is beyond description. Like I don't have words to describe what that feels like to feel carried. And you have felt that I have felt that Nikki has said that she's felt that and her kids, like we just, everyone, I feel like that's been closely affected by this has said, we feel those prayers and we feel like they're carrying us, you know? So it's just some of these spiritual things that I feel like I've learned through this, I I feel really grateful for, even though obviously it's just really, really hard. And there's some really, really hard things about this. I don't know. It's like I said, there are no words to describe some of these incidents that have happened to make us just feel peace and feel love and feel that outpouring of love from people and and feel those prayers really working. That, That's amazing. That has been I, amazing. I think just to see, just to feel the love from people. And, and there's nothing you can say in these circumstances, and we'll talk about that in other podcasts that we do. But, but you know, just the fact of somebody's presence and you can just feel someone's love, like as they talk and they, they you know, try and express some type of words like, there's so much power in that. And, and that's something that I'm so thankful for and will continue to be thankful for. That's just been powered so, so much good. And there's so many things I would be grateful for to other people and, and how they're reaching out and blessing our lives. So one last thing we were going to talk about is just the funeral that it was really, I don't know that I've been to a funeral where the same theme for that person has just carried from one talk to the next talk to the next talk it was like that same theme that we've been talking about this whole time just kept carrying through each talk which was you know Dave's legacy Dave was a warrior Dave all these things that we keep talking about and your talk was my favorite not just because you're no (laughs) not just because you're my husband but also because you're the one that gave it we obviously have 
your permission to share that here. And that was something that Neil felt okay about. So um, I think we're going to cut to that and you guys can listen to Neil's talk at Dave's funeral. And then we'll just wrap up with some final thoughts. I will greet this day with love in my heart for this is the greatest secret of success in all ventures. Muscle can split a shield and even destroy life. But only the unseen power of love can open the hearts of men. I will make love my greatest weapon, and none on whom I call can defend against its force. And how will I act? I will love all manners of men, for each has qualities to be admired, even though they may be hidden. With love, I will tear down the wall of suspicion and hate which they have built around their hearts. And in its place will I build bridges so that my love may enter their souls. I will greet this day with love in my heart. During his life, Dave had an amazing ability to love and build deep and meaningful relationships with people. The power and the depth of those relationships is evident by the amount of people who have reached out and who have expressed their sentiments and their love in this last week. Dave began each day of his life much the same. He would wake up very early in the morning and he would start the day with a morning devotional with prayer and with scripture study and he would recite these affirmations and he would, would go through to set his mind right for the, for the coming day. And he was always sharing with me motivational books and different things that he was reading. We, I, I went over to his house and we had dinner together and we started talking. And, uh, you know, I was talking about stuff I was reading and he was talking about stuff he was reading. And um, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I got this, this affirmation I'm saying every day. It's, it's from the book, Think and Grow Rich. Self-confidence formula. First, I know that I have the ability to achieve the object of my definite purpose in life. Therefore, I demand of myself persistent, continuous action towards attainment. I here and now promise to put forth such action. And then he just smiles and he's like, dude, I recite the same one every single morning. And then we both recite it together and we're laughing. And it was just such a moment and we're going back and forth. And, and I can see his energy just getting more and more excited. And then he stops and he's like, he's like, dude, come downstairs, come downstairs. And he, he goes downstairs to where he does his devotionals and he pulls out this drawer and he pulls out this ragged, ragged old copy. It looked, it looked like, it looked like the Bible looked like he like dug up an original copy of the Bible, but it was the book, the greatest salesman in the world by Ogmandino. And so this affirmation is, is comes from that book. Dave was an a major, major influence in my life. He was always inspired by a worthy cause. Um, it was mentioned and talked about already that he, he would go and speak at these high schools and do these, these um, suicide prevention presentations. And I remember watching him do one of these and he very, very charismatic and he spoke extremely well and he kept his composure speaking about very, very personal experiences of losing his brother to suicide. And I never saw him tear up over it, but I did see him tear up when he said it. If I can reach just one, 
just one, it will all be worth it. And I look at his reach and I look at what's happening right now and I look at where this is going and the positive things that are happening and the lives that are changing. My brother, you've reached more than one. You've reached more than one million and you will reach plenty more as this, as this all unfolds. One of the most inspiring moments that I saw with Dave was as a missionary. He made a decision to go on a mission and and it changed his life and it changed my life. And I saw the man that he was and and how he wanted to connect with me after that. And it inspired me to go on and and serve a mission. Um, I just want to, after this, um, there was a a brother who reached out who's currently on a mission um, and he shared some thoughts about Dave. He said, Dave was one of my youth teachers when I was growing up. I vividly remember his teaching and skill style and how much that affected me. He was so personal in everything he did. He always called me brother, which made me feel like his family. He was very inspiring and passionate about what he did. and I looked up to him. Because of his efforts and others' efforts, I've become converted to the gospel and I'm now on a mission trying to inspire others to partake of the glorious gospel. I always felt Dave worked with me so closely and so intimately in developing me and helping me. But as I've gotten stories back from all of you, you're all telling my story of your sentiment and the way that he developed and worked with you. I don't know how he pulled it off, but he managed to do that for each and every individual person the same way he did it for me. He treated all, you, all of you the same way that he treated his own brother. One of the big moments in my life was, was Dave. Dave was the first one that I ever shared that I, had a, that I struggled with addiction. And I remember talking to him about this, and he immediately went to work and got me connected, got me connected with an outpatient recovery program. He got me connected with meetings. He, he reached out to people that he knew in recovery. He got me connected with them. He got me to the solution quick. And every time I would uh, have a relapse or, or go through a tough time, Dave, Dave would just pick me up and he would dust me off. And he would, he would send me on, on my way feeling instantly better about myself and instantly loved and instantly knew that I was the son of God and I was worth saving. And... I can't describe what that's like, but I think that the picture up here is is pretty close. When we came out, my wife and I public with our story, I called Dave and I'm like, Dave, you know, just so you know, this is where we're at. You know, I've, I've, we're telling our story. We're kind of going public. We want to help people. And, and Dave, he, he said something very interesting to me. He said, he's like, you know, dude, Neil, Everybody has a secret battle that they're fighting. You're not unique. Everyone has something that they're dealing with in the deep confines of their soul and and they're suffering and they're suffering in silence and they're not allowing others to reach out and help them. And he just said, Neil, it's okay to fight your fight. Fight your fight and fight it well. It's okay. 
And that was such an inspiration to me. And that came, I just kept playing that in my mind. Fight your fight. Fight your fight. It's okay. There's no, there's no shame. It's okay. You need to allow others to help you and support you. I can't say enough about my brother. He's my hero. Like I can say that and, and it, it sounds great, but I don't think that it fully, I just don't have words. Um, this is my feeble attempt to, to share with you a little bit about the man, what my brother was. And with these affirmations that he would recite from, from Ogmandino, um, he would record his voice and he would play like the gladiator soundtrack in the background or Braveheart. And he would say, he would speak in this tone of just like such intensity. And it was so cool. And so I want, I want to close with, with, uh, with, with another one of these affirmations. I will greet this day with love in my heart, but how will I react to the actions of others? With love. For just as love is my weapon to open the hearts of men, love is also my shield to repulse the arrows of hate and the spears of anger. Adversity and discouragement will beat against my new shield and become as the softest rains. My shield will protect and sustain me when I'm alone. It will uplift me in moments of despair, yet it will calm me in times of exultation. It will become stronger and more protective with use until one day I will cast aside and walk unencumbered among all manners of men. And when I do, my name will be raised high on the pyramid of life. I will greet this day with love in my heart. Dave has cast aside his shield and now walks unencumbered in the next life. And the name of David Thomas Stokoe will forever be raised high on the pyramid of life. I have a testimony of, of Jesus Christ. I know that it's only through him that we can see God again. I had this testimony before everything happened and I have a new strength in my testimony and I just want to tell you guys it's true all of it everything that we learn everything we learn in the scriptures priesthood book of mormon joseph smith it's all true peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So we just want to thank everybody for all the love and support. Most of the people that are listening to this podcast, probably you are somehow in our circle of friends in our community online or friends in real life. And... The last thing that I want to say is if you feel like you're ever thinking about someone who's in trouble or who's going through something hard and you're like, I guess I could say a prayer for them, but it's not going to make a difference. I just want to testify that it is making a difference and that it actively is making a difference right now in our lives, that we feel those prayers. And through this experience, we've also that we've learned so much about just you can make anything that you want out of any circumstance in life. And 
it's just, I've never been more proud of Neil or more just in awe of the man he is than I was watching him deal with the, the hardest thing I could imagine him going through. I mean, I've joked that Dave, that Neil loved Dave more than me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I kind of feel like is true, but they just, you know, they were just the best of friends. I mean, when Neil and I met, he was like, you have to be friends with Nikki because Dave's it. He is, you know, he was like, Dave, Dave's all I've got. So you gotta be, you know, anyway. Um, and, and it just, he, he made it very clear to me, like Dave's, Dave is, means a lot to me. And he's my one brother who's my one full brother who's left. So, you know, watching you go through this and the way that you took the sourest lemons and turned them into lemonade, it was just very impactful for me and, and, um, life-changing. That's, you know, a term that people kind of throw around and sometimes it means something, sometimes it doesn't, but this time it, it really does mean quite a bit to me just having witnessed this experience and been a small part of it, mostly in observation, but just how you really took that leadership to take our bishop's council and, and make this something beautiful, something that changed people for the better, changed my life for the better. And, and it's continuing to, so anyway, do you have any final thoughts? Just to, just gratitude in general. It's it's you know yeah you see something really tragic and terrible and and uh, those are words that people will use when they describe this. They're like man, it's so, I'm so sorry. It's so tragic. It's so terrible. And you know which which it is undoubtedly, but at the same time, there is just the most beautiful, amazing show of human spirit and human love and service. And all of these good things that I have seen from a community, I've seen from friends, I've seen from an online community that, that we have, that are the followers of, of you know, Corinne and, and her, her social media. It's just so, you know, I, I get teared up talking about my brother, no, undoubtedly. Um, I feel emotions come up that I, I just are uncontrollable. But talking about the acts of service that people have rendered and the ways in which people are reaching out and the love that they're displaying, that almost gets me, you know, equally or, or maybe even a little more emotional to see that love. And, and that's, that's where it's at. That's what we're talking about here. And that's what I want to focus on and what I would hope that everyone through the course of whatever coming events there will be as this thing still unfolds and, and just, in light of, of the experience as a whole, I'm, I'm, that's my hope, is that we can take that and we can magnify and amplify that out and blast it out to to the world and in order to enact change for the better because that's what Dave wanted and, and wants out of this whole situation. All right, well, thanks for coming on and talking about something that was just obviously really raw and, and real, but hopefully you know a lot of people are able to take something good out of this and make some good changes yeah absolutely i guess the only ask i would have is if you felt inspired to do something as a result of listening to this today do it uh just just take whatever you if there's something that's on your mind right now 
just take action on it and don't second guess it um, yeah. because it's probably right. So that's that's what I'll leave leave you with. Fight your fight. Fight your fight. Be your best self. I'm a champion. I'm a champion.